Well, we have been in a series called The Wisdom of God. I believe this is part seven uh, for several weeks now. Let's look at Proverbs 9, verse 10. Read a couple scriptures that uh, we kind of used as a foundation. Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and the years of life will be added to you. And we spent some time on that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, there is no true wisdom that doesn't start with going to God. Anything that is wisdom on the earth, it's God's wisdom. Anything else that may look like wisdom, but it's not based on God's word, it's just somebody's idea. It won't hold water over time. It won't stand up to the test of, the time, uh, test of time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 13 says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but, with, uh, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So we are talking about the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of men. It says here, not, if we go back to verse 6, it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. There is a wisdom of this age. There is a wisdom of man. We've, we've covered some of those things. There are things that are accepted as true by men. People will quote them like they're scripture, but they're not scripture. They're just somebody's idea. It says, Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. So not in men's ideas, not in men's wisdom, but, with, uh, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The Spirit of God will lead us into all wisdom. The Spirit of God will lead us in His ways. And His ways are His wisdom. Always. Verse 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now let's look at John 2, verse 1, and get into what we have for today. You know, we're not going to cover everything we covered. You can go back and listen to those messages, watch those messages online or on a podcast, on Facebook. Some of them are there. John 2, verse 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. 
And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not, has not yet come. Verse 5, His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Verse 6, Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So if we go back to verse 3, so you're probably familiar with this account. Jesus is at his wedding. His family's at this wedding. They run out of wine. They, he tells them to go fill water pots up with water, just plain water, and it's turned into wine so good that the master of the feast said, wait, most people, they wait till, uh, they give all the good wine, you know, at the beginning, and then they bring out the bad stuff later after everybody is, you know, full and, drink, and has been drinking. And he said, but you, you, this is so good, you must have brought out the best at the end. So you know, it was good wine. Verse 3 said, when, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Verse 4, Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, if you're just naturally looking at this situation and they've run out of wine, the natural thought to do is not go get a bunch of water pots and fill them up with water. That is not what the normal response to this situation is. Anybody just thinking naturally is not going to think that's the solution to this problem, right? But Jesus told them to do exactly that. And his mother said, whatever he says to you, you do that. And as we are walking with God, walking after him, we need to understand that true wisdom in any situation is what God would have us do. Period. That's wisdom. What God, you see, in the mind and heart of God, to, to know that in any situation is to have the answer. It may not be anything that you could look up in a book. It may not be something you could go ask your friends about. It may not be something you could go ask a professional about. But he has a way, a solution, a plan, always, and that is the wisdom of God. For us, in every situation, 
He knows what is coming. He knows his plan for you. He knows every circumstance that is going to need to be taken into account. You don't. I don't. You know, you ever worked on a project or at work you worked on something and you started, the, started it out? You didn't know everything that was going to take place in it. How many of you have ever gotten to a project and it took longer than you thought it was going to take? Anybody? Why, why would that be? Because you didn't know everything that was going to be entailed. You know, I worked in software for years. And, you know, you go and you start a project, even, and, you know, you rarely do the exact same thing twice. Otherwise, then, you know, you'd get into routine. You know what to do for it. But it's always different. That's why they're having you build software for it. If it was just something somebody already done, just go buy it and be done with it. And you do that as much as possible. You try to reuse software. But, you know, it doesn't always fit, so you got to make modifications. You, you know, of course, there's proprietary software. you got to build it. And you don't know what you don't know at the beginning. You know what you think about it. And it's like this in every area. But, you know, you go and you get the requirements, and, of course, those change over time. Wish they wouldn't, but they do. You, you know, you get what you think you're going to do and you, what you think it's going to take to do any given part of it. And then you get into it and you realize that thing that you thought was going to take two days is going to take three weeks, but you may not know that till two and a half weeks in. And, you know, three week, two and a half weeks ago, or two weeks ago, you told your manager, yeah, we're about 80% there. Classic. The last 20% takes the majority of the time. We're 80% there. Then three days later, how far are you? About 80%. I mean, we're, we're getting close. <laughs> and then three days later, now you, now you realize if you give the same answer, it's not right. So, you know, it's 85%. <laughs> and then three days later, you know, you should be a lot further than that, but you realize... You found out more stuff, so now you're about 90%. And you just creep up until finally, yeah, we're done. Well, that took three weeks. You thought it was going to take three days. Yeah, we didn't know some stuff. We got in there and we realized this and this and this. That happens to us as people, can happen to us. It doesn't have to happen to us. But God knows everything from the beginning. That never happens to him, ever. He always knows what to do at the beginning. He knows what to do. And if the more we sync up with him, now don't, don't get legalistic and don't get you know, hung up on this as we talk about it. Because yes, if you heard perfectly from God all the time, then yet you would never have any delay of any type. We're all learning, we're all growing. We're all believing we hear better today than we heard yesterday. But the fact is, we're growing. So don't get legalistic and think, oh my gosh, you know, that, that describes me. This project took longer, so I've not arrived. Well, that's okay, as long as we're going further. Because if you start thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this took longer than I thought. Well, if you think you have to do it perfect every time, you're going to drive yourself insane. 
and you're, still, you're not going to be happy, and you're, you're still not going to get the project done when you need to. John, uh, just to read this, let's put this up. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus said this. So G number one, we're not going to focus on this today. We focused on other times. Number one, the Bible is truth and is wisdom. Okay? Num if, if you find the description for your situation in the word, if it covers your, your situation, then you have your answer. Period. There is nowhere in the Bible where Jesus could have looked and quoted a scripture that said, what do you do when you want, run out of wine at a wedding feast? And it would say, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt fill thy water pots with water, and I will turn it into wine. There is nothing like that. He couldn't look up a scripture, but if, it do, if, the, if the Bible does cover your situation, then you know what to do. Don't try to get God's answer on it if you already know what to do. That's where you get into trouble. Always put the word first place and the leading of the Spirit second, and you won't get into trouble. In other words, don't, don't say, God told me. But you can quote, you know five scriptures that contradict what you say God told you. You're wrong. You just haven't found it out yet. People do that. They say, oh, but God told me. Yeah, but if you, can, if you know that there's scriptures that contradict what you're saying God told you, then back off, step back, go before God again, look at the scripture. Don't violate scripture. The, the Spirit of God will never, ever lead you in, con contra uh, in a way that contradicts scripture, okay? And we're not going to spend a lot of time on that part today. But always put the word first. James 1.5, let's turn there. So there are a lot of things that aren't covered in the Word specifically to your situation. But God has wisdom for each situation. He has wisdom for every circumstance. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, if you need wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways." Verse 5 said, if you go back to verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, if you don't know what to do, in other words, if you need instruction, need direction, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And it will be given to him. Now, the wisdom of God, maybe he, he, he points you to a scripture that answers your, your circumstance, and you're done. Anybody ever had that happen? You're thinking about something, you've asked God, and you're reading, you know, maybe your devotions, or you're reading the Bible, and boom, there. You, you maybe have read it ten times, but never saw it quite like that, and boy, it answers your question, and you know what to do. God will lead you according to his word. That's why it's so important to spend time in the word of God continuously, daily. 
So that when the, the same impression, the same leading that is leading you and speaking to you, and I'm not talking about an audible voice, but you know, on, on the inside of every believer, we can hear God, we can get an impression, believe Him, and, and understand Him. The way He guides you and directs you when you're reading the Word is the same way He's going to lead you and guide you the majority of the time on things by His Spirit. And so that's why it's important to get familiar with His leading. We'd say voice, but we're not talking about an audible voice. But, you know, you know what we mean with, with how He communicates. In the NIV, that same verse, James 1, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. That should be the number one thing. Not always is that the case. But we should go to God first. We should go to Him and ask Him. And this is a... a, commentary on God here. It says, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. It's a characteristic of God. He will give without finding fault. In other words, you come to him and ask him, he's not going to go, dummy, why are you asking? That's that's what it's saying. He's not going to be reproachful. He's not going to find fault. He's going to give you the wisdom you need without being a jerk about it, like some people. You don't want to go ask them a question because you know what you're going to hear. You know what you're going to hear when you ask them. You're going to have to hear how you shouldn't be asking or you shouldn't already know and the blah, 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 and then you'll get to the answer, maybe. But God's not like that. We need to have a, a, a firm uh, understanding that God is our God, He's our Father, and we can come to Him anytime. James 1.5, in the Amplified Classic, it says, If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of, God, of the, the giving God, who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly, without reproach or fault-finding, and it will be given him. So if we need wisdom, if we're deficient in wisdom, that means if we don't know what to do, in a situation, we need to go to God. And we want His wisdom. We don't want just any idea, any solution, something somebody said, maybe something that worked in their situation. We want God's wisdom. God's wisdom is His way, His mind. When we are asking God for His wisdom, we're asking Him for His leading. He's going to lead you. When you have the wisdom of God coming to you, it's going to be a leading of what to do. So when we go to Him and ask Him for wisdom, we're asking Him to show us, to lead us, to guide us in His way. And He already knows what we need. He knows what's coming, not just in our life, but in every area of the world. He knows what's coming in everybody's lives. He knows what's coming 
for the country. He knows what's coming for government. He knows what's coming for each individual company. He knows what's coming uh, for your relatives. He knows what's coming in the school system. He knows every part of it for everything. It's mind-boggling, but he knows it all. And so when we go to him, we're asking for his wisdom. What, God, what would you do in this situation? Well, he's going to show us the right thing for now in the situation, and he knows exactly what needs to happen. Always. Isaiah 46, 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. It means he knows the end better than we know what's going on now. He knows what's going to happen better than you know what happened last week. What you could describe in somewhat detail, what you did last week, he can describe in infinite detail what's going to happen and does, hasn't happened yet. He knows it with precision. Psalm 139, 16 says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Talking about us. God knows each person before they're born and knows what you're going to do. He doesn't control everything. He doesn't make the choices for you, but He knows what's going to happen. He doesn't make people get saved, but He knows who's going to get saved. He doesn't make people follow Him, but He knows who's going to follow Him. In His infinite knowledge, He doesn't control, but He knows what's going to happen. Therefore, He calls each person to do based on what he knows will happen. He knows exactly what's in you. He knows what your, your abilities, talents. He knows who your parents are, grandparents. He knows every uh, condition that you grew up in. And he knew that before you ever came on the scene. And he knows everything that's going to happen to you. And so when we're asking for his wisdom and his leading, that's the context. He's just going to tell you, well, see, he can tell you this is where you're going to end up, so this is what I want you to do now. You may not understand where you're going to end up, and he's asking you to do what, uh, he's, whatever he's asking you to do now is taking that into consideration. You may be seeing, saying, I don't understand how that has anything to do with where I'm going. Well, that's okay. If it's the wisdom of God, if it's the leading of God, then it's right. And it's already taken into the consideration the stuff you don't know, I don't know, conditions that can change tomorrow, he's, that's already built in. That's the wisdom of God. This is who we're talking about in context of wisdom. It's His leading. And His leading always takes into consideration everything. Psalm 32.8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Well, His eye, He knows. He sees everything. His eye is all-seeing, all takes everything into consideration, so His wisdom is how he's leading us and guiding us and directing us if we'll look to him. In the New Living Translation, this is one of my favorite verses, it says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. I will advise you. Well, what's that? Wisdom. When you go to ask somebody, hey, what's your opinion on that? What you're asking is for their wisdom. You know, 
you ask somebody older or more experienced in the situation than you, you're asking, hey, you've seen a few things, maybe more than I do. What would you think about this situation? What would you do? And you're asking for their wisdom. You're asking for their guidance. Well, when we're going to God and asking Him, you're getting complete wisdom, complete guidance. This isn't, well, let's see. I've done something like you've done five times. Didn't, didn't face something exactly like what you're facing, but this is what I would do. That's what you could get from somebody. Nothing wrong with that, but you still got to make your own decision. You may be like, okay. But God, when He gives you leading, He knows exactly where you're going. He's not guessing. He's saying, do this. This is right. This is the thing to do. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Well, how does he know that? I will guide you. You know, it says, I will teach you in the way that you should go. Well, if he's going to teach you in the way you should go, isn't that the best pathway? Would God ever lead you in any way less than the best? Would he lead you in the suboptimal route? Why? If you think, well, he might do it for a certain certain reason. If he did, it's a re there's a reason he's... he's He's leading you. It may, it may look not as quick to you. But when you see like he sees, when you understand, you realize, oh, yeah, this was the fastest way. This is the right way. But you don't see always while you're walking through. It, when, when Jesus was telling them, fill the pots with water, I'm sure some of the guys were like, why? I mean, 20, 30 gallons? I mean, have you carried a milk jug? Have you carried, like, tried to carry multiple milk jugs in from the grocery store? It's not convenient. Try to get three. You could probably get four, you know, two on each hand, but you try to get more than that. That's difficult. That's six gallons. You're talking about 20 to 30 of water. Number one, it takes a while to, to fill it up. Number two, you're going to have to transport it. That doesn't seem like the most convenient or best way. But God told him, this is the best way. This is what you need to do. He, it says, he will guide us along the best pathway for our life. He will advise us. I will advise you and I'll watch over you. I will guide you with my eye. The other translation says, I'll, I'll watch you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. Now let's look at, we're going to get into a, a, a few Examples here, but Romans 8, verse 14, let's read that before we go on. God's wisdom is His leading. God's ways are His wisdom. God's ways for us are His leading and His wisdom for our life, taking everything that could possibly be taken into consideration for us, always. Verse 14 says, All, or, uh, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not re receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So He's going to lead us and guide us. Verse 14 said, Everyone that is led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
Verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. In the Common English Bible, it said, verse 14 says, All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. So if we hear from God, we are His sons and daughters. All His sons and daughters hear from God. Can be led by our Spirit. Well, what, how is He going to lead you? He's going to lead you in the right path. He's going to lead you in the wisdom of God. He's going to lead you in His right way. Always. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Everybody say, I follow God. Say, I follow the wisdom of God. Say, I follow God's leading. Say, God leads me. I understand Him. I go in the right way. The best way. The way He has planned for me. I listen to Him. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So His leading, His guiding. We were talking about the wisdom of God. When we talk about seeking the wisdom of God, when we talk about asking Him for His wisdom, then we are asking Him for His leading. This applies in every area. You can ask Him for wisdom on the job. I, I, I've, I did that so many times, you know, working in software. I would bump up against a problem and say, I... I don't know how to solve this. I don't, you know, there's a bug. We call it a bug, you know, a defect in the software. I don't know where this is. I don't know what, um, where to even start looking. You know, you can have something go wrong, and it looks like the symptoms are over here. It looks like it's in this area, but when you find everything out, you realize it was over here just causing the symptom. Well, you don't know all that at the beginning. It can, and certain, certain uh, issues are really squirrely. And they, they, they don't necessarily happen every time, and they're not repeatable, and those are the worst. And Shelley's, my witness, I, I told her many times, not promoting myself at all, talking about what we're talking about right here. We go to ask God for wisdom, well, He can show you what to do. And I would tell her, I, I didn't have a clue. And then I looked and started looking in a certain part of the software, and, you know, within just a little bit, had the thing nailed. And I was going in going, I don't, I don't know. I don't have any clue where to start looking. I don't know how to solve this. There is a professional ability you have, but you can spend three weeks. You can spend a month and a half on certain problems. Easy. There are some things that are very hard to get a handle on, just if you're talking about naturally. And God can help us. Doesn't mean you don't have to work. Here's a... Here's a, here's a uh, uh, tidbit. If, you, if you're going to ask God for direction and wisdom in a certain area, then don't just stay. I mean, there's different scenarios, but especially if it has to do with working or, you know, on your job. Don't just sit there. Yeah, you get done praying and then just sit there and wait to have it like all streamed out in front of you before you act on anything. You may be waiting a while. In other words, you pray and it's like, God, show me and then I'll move. You can be waiting a while. 
I learned that early. Start moving. Start looking somewhere. It's easier to direct and to guide a moving vehicle than it is to move something that's parked. If you're, I mean, at least if you take, you know, take it out of gear, put it in neutral, and just start pushing it slowly, you can move a car that is thousands of pounds by just pushing it and start guiding it. But you try to do that when the thing's in park? I mean, I know I can't. Maybe you can by hand. Just take the thing and move it and go like that. No, but you can start guiding it. Well, God can help us and lead us. If we just start looking, start acting, He can start guiding you and showing you. And pretty soon, boom, you got the answer. But it does, we need to know that God's going to lead us and guide us and help us. And some of those things are going to be just, okay, they may just be something that's expected after we get into it. Sometimes He's going to show us something that we don't quite understand why we're doing that based on what we know or based on the current circumstance. But we need to trust Him and be confident enough in His ability to lead us that when He tells us what to do, we start moving. And we listen to Him. Now, you check it with the Word. You're guided by what He said. But when it comes to being led in God's wisdom and God's direction, and I'm talking about being led by the Spirit some, but God's Spirit is going to lead you in His wisdom, there's an element where you're going to have to walk in faith. And that's really what I want to get into. You, you are not always going to, if you understood, there's going to be scenarios where it doesn't look like that thing you're supposed to do is, it, it doesn't compute with everything you know. Okay, there's times he's leading you and guiding you, okay, I should have done that, that, and it, yeah, but it all makes sense. There's other times it has to do with where you're going, it has to do with the plan. It has to do with what he he's knows is coming for you. We read that he knows the end from the beginning. We read that he has all your days already written. He knows what they are. He's not making you do it. He knows. He could tell you everything you're going to do now. So when he starts leading you and guiding you, there may be some things and there will be some things that you're going to need to step out and act on before you can comprehend with your mind and your context what to do. If you're going to walk with God, you will hit those places, but what he tells you is right. Now, you don't, we don't need to get flaky with this. That's why we need to be balanced in the word, okay? That's why you go back to the word. Because then people say, oh, well, God's telling me. It, it, the more it would not be grounded naturally, the more you got to be sure you're hearing from God. On the other hand, there are time, many times in the Bible where God told His people to do things that don't make any sense in the natural. We just read one. Let's look at another one. 2 Kings 6, verse 1. Second Kings 6, verse 1, says, And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, the prophet, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to Jordan. And let every man 
take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he said, go. And then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one, as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe, axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So he's cutting, and the axe head flies off into the water. Verse 6, So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. Now, the axe head is in the water. Anybody know what happens to an iron axe head, metal axe head, when it goes into the water? It goes down. It's going to sink. So where is that accent? Well, it's not on the top. It's, it's somewhere in the water. And the, the guy comes to him, comes to the prophet and said, it was a borrowed accent. So what's the next move? I mean, what are your options when you're looking at this? You're thinking, I mean, depending on how far it went and how deep it is and how dark the water is, you could be like, Sorry. I mean, what are your options? Naturally, you're thinking, how are we going to do this? Look what, what the, the prophet said. Now, this is a word of, you know, this is the gifts of the Spirit operating, but I want you to see what's going on here. He showed him the place, so he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Iron does not float normally. Right? Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand, took it. So he cuts off the stick. He threw it in there, throws a stick in there, and it makes the iron flow. Who knew? Is that the answer? Is that the You, you ask a thousand people, what should we do now? Is that the, right, is that the answer most people are going to come up with? Did it, did it work? It, the, the, the iron, the axe head came up, and he said, now there it is. And he goes and he picks it up. God's answer was not what anybody would say. It didn't violate any scripture. And it was right. It's supernatural. But we are Christians. We, have the, we, we believe that a, a, a virgin carried the Son of God without any intervention with the man, and that he died on a cross and paid the price for the sins, became sin for the whole world, billions of people, everybody that has lived and will live. And then he raised supernaturally from the dead, and that when you call on his name, believe he rose from the dead, and call on his name, confess him, that you become born again spiritually, and the spirit of the living God comes to dwell in you spiritually. We already believe in the supernatural. It's not a stretch that he would lead us ever in a supernatural way. So when we're, when we're going to God and asking for his wisdom, we need to not just be like this. We need to be like, God, what do you want me to do? And that would include whatever he says. Whatever he says to us, that's what you do. Because he's right. And he knows everything that's coming. And he knows how to deal with anything that we may not see. Look at 2 Kings 5 verse 1. 
It is so important for us to be led by God. Being led by God is walking in God's wisdom. God's not going to lead you in anything but His wisdom. 2 Kings 5 verse 1 says, Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was, great, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captives, or brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were there, or were with the prophet, who was in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, This, or thus and thus, said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel. So the letter said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that, he may, that you may heal him of leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, I, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see now, or see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So he thinks he's setting him up. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Verse 9, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, said, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abanya and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says, Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Verse 15, And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. So this man comes to seek. He's got leprosy. He comes to seek the prophet and to be healed. And number one, when he does, so he's going asking of the man of God. If you go to verse 9, it says, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Number one, Elisha didn't come out and talk to him. And this made Naaman mad. 
begin with. And then number two, he told him to go dip seven times in the Jordan. Uh, when he came, well, let's read a little bit further. It says, And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. So Naaman had preconceived ideas about how this was going to happen. What does he need? Naaman wants to be healed. Should he really care how it happens? What, what does he really want? He wants to be free of the leprosy. He wants to be done with it. So he goes, and now he, Elisha sends a messenger out for, to him. So he, he says, wait a minute, this is not what I thought would happen. And he tells him to dip in the Jordan seven times. He's like, what does that have to do with anything? Why should I do that? So he's mad because the prophet didn't come out and talk to him personally. And he's mad because he told him to do something that he thinks is beneath him. He says, why didn't you send me to one of these other rivers? But what was the thing, you see further down, when he dipped, he decided, he humbled himself, he decided, okay, I'll do what the prophet said to do. You know, his servants are talking to him, say, well, if he told you to do some big thing, you would do that, so why don't you just do this? Sometimes we're looking to God, we're looking, well, if it looks like this, if he tells us to do this, then I'll do it. But then God says, do this other thing, and we're prompted to do it. And we don't see how it works. We don't see how it computes with what we know. And we say, why should I do that? I don't understand. Is God right or is he not right? We have to believe him and trust him. What he says is the right thing. It doesn't make any sense to throw a stick into the water and make the axe head float. It doesn't make any sense to go fill the water pots up with water and then turn into wine. But what did God say? That's what we have to know. Because what he says is his wisdom. And if it comes from his word, it's his wisdom. If he's leading us by his spirit and it's him, we need to know whatever he tells us is right and it takes into consideration what we don't know and it will work. We need to know that though. It's not... So if you could have figured it out, why don't you just figure it out? I mean, we ought to go to God no matter what. But then the answer from God comes sometimes, and we're like, well, that's not how I saw this coming down. Okay. So what? What do we do with that? But we got to do what God told us to do. Yeah, but I didn't think it would happen this way. What does that have to do with anything? The word is full of examples where it didn't look like what people expected. What people would think. But God's right and his wisdom are in his direction. He knows what needs to happen. Let's look at Acts 8.4. Coming into the New Testament. Acts 8.4 Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Preaching the gospel. 
And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So he's got a revival going on. His multitudes believe in God. Verse 7, For un unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Verse 8, And there was great joy in that city. So there is a, a revival going on. There's multitudes are hearing the word of Christ. They're receiving it. They're being healed. They're being delivered. And there's great joy. Now look down to verse 26. Now an angel spoke to Philip, because it goes and talks about some other things in there. An angel spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. So he is leaving, he is leaving a revival. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of her treasure, treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. Chariot. Verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and, asked, and said to him, do you understand what you're reading? And then he ministers to this person. So God had Philip leave a revival. People are getting healed. They're getting delivered. They are getting set free. And he said, now go over here and minister to one person. Most people say, we got it going on here. We'll wait till this gets done. Why would I go minister to this one person? If you, you know, we're not going to take time to read the rest of it. He goes, he ministers. The guy's like, I don't know what I'm reading. And he starts with that verse that he's reading and he preaches the gospel to him. The guy receives the gospel. He gets baptized. And then Phillips is just taken away somewhere else. Most people would not say that's what you do. You know, you got, to, you got it going. You got the revival going. You don't stop and go minister to one person. It doesn't violate any scripture. It doesn't violate God's word. It doesn't violate the intent. It just doesn't make sense to people. Jesus' whole death, burial, and resurrection doesn't make sense to people. Speaking in tongues doesn't make sense to people, and people go, I don't understand it, so that's dumb. The, the, the Bible clearly teaches it, and it, there's edification from it. It's supernatural. We don't walk according to what we can understand. We walk according to what God says. Let's look at Acts uh, 16, verse 6. Acts 16, verse 6, so this is Paul, Silas, and Timothy. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, they being Paul, Silas, and Timothy. When they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach? Verse 7, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, 
and the Spirit did not permit them. So passing in Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now wait a minute. You put up Mark 16, 15 real quick. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the word of God, right? And we see in you know, Matthew 28, other places, Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay? But where are you supposed to preach the gospel at any given time? And what is God telling you about what you're doing? See, there is the word of God, but there and then there is the leading of the Spirit. Verse 6, let's go back to Acts 16, verse 6. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Wait a minute. Somebody can say, but I'm supposed to preach. I need to go to Asia. The Gospels, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach. I'm going to Asia. Not if the Spirit of God tells you not to go. Okay, we can't go there. Then they go to this other place, verse 7, after they came to Mysia and then tried to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them. Wait a minute, the Spirit's not letting them preach. Because the Spirit, just like Philip, left the revival, went to go preach in one person. What's God's wisdom and direction? What does He want? Paul and Silas and Timothy to do. He's got something specific for them. So then after that, they, he sees a vision. And in the vision, in verse 9, a man is saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So then they believe God is calling them to preach the gospel to them, so they go there. We need to be led by God. There is no cookie cutter uh, pattern for our lives. We need to know what is His... If we're going to ask Him for wisdom, then we got to expect to hear whatever He says and do whatever He says, whether we understand it or not. Because that's the right plan. Let's go to Acts 9, verse 23. See another example. You cannot override... What the Holy Spirit is telling you in a specific instance by quoting the general word. We need to know what God's telling us to do. You cannot. If, if the Spirit of God is telling them not to go, and they quote the word and say, but you said to go in all the gospel, and they go, we don't know what would have happened. You don't know. Because they didn't go. And sometimes that's all you're going to know. Nothing. God tells you not to do something. God tells you to go a specific way, and you obey, and you know, just went on with my life. You don't have some dramatic reveal. Here's what would have happened if you had picked door number one. You don't know. 
But I know if God is leading us to do something or not do something, if He's telling us not to do something, we go ahead and do it. He is telling us for our own good, and it is His wisdom, and it is right, and He knows what we can't see. He knows what's behind the situation. Acts 9, verse 23 says, Now many days were past, the Jews plotted to kill him. Talking about Saul. And who's Paul? And their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. So there's a plot to kill him, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. Look at 2 Corinthians 11, verse 32, same situation. It says, In Damascus the governor, Paul's writing about it, under Aretas the king, was guarding the city of Damascus, or Damascusines, with a garrison desiring to arrest me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Wait a minute. I thought we were more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I thought we could do all things through Christ who strengthens. Why didn't he just go up and say, get out of here. I'm coming through. You're not going to kill me. Why didn't he do that? Evidently, he was led to get let down in a basket through the wall. And he kept preaching. Yeah, but bless God, I know Psalm 91. Okay, but what's God telling you to do? He may give you the answer to keep you protected through Psalm 91 by doing what He's telling you to do. When we override it and say, oh, well, I'm going anyway. I know the Word. But what's the Spirit of God telling us? God knows the Word. And He also knows where we're going. He knows where we are. He knows where our faith is. He knows the condition. And if God Almighty, by His Spirit, directs us and guides us in His wisdom to do something, we had better do that, regardless if our mind can comprehend it or not. You know Satan can quote Scripture. And he can try to push you to be in a place. God's telling you, don't go. Don't do it, don't go. And he'll try to push you. Yeah, but no harm will come against you. Angels. Didn't he do that to Jesus? Told Jesus, just throw yourself off. Angels will protect you. He does that to people. Well, just go do it. You know the word. Yeah, but you're supposed to know the spirit of God too. And what's the context? I know one of our instructors at, at Rhema talked about this. He was, he was moving, and he had his car all packed up, and the U-Haul, his vehicle all packed up, and the U-Haul was attached to it, and they had it all packed up, and they, they were going to bed, and he had, so then they were going to leave in the morning, and he had something on the inside, secure it, lock it down, put it away, just don't leave it out there. He was like, no, nah, I just plead the blood of Jesus over it, it's fine. When he woke up and went outside, trailer's gone. And he said, that was God warning me. That was God telling me what to do. And I overrode it and just said, well, 
I just believe that it's fine. You can't override what God is telling you by your faith when he's telling you to do something different. If he's telling you to do something, that's, what, that's his wisdom, that's what we need to do. His leading is in that answer. And we need to know the difference. We need to discern. And it may not, we may not understand. We may not see everything. That we, ne- we may never know what the situation. There has been times in my life, I will tell you, that there was a leading not to do certain things. And to this day, I don't know what the outcome would have been had I went ahead and done it. All I know is nothing bad happened. But there are times I had such a check in my heart, do not do that. Do not do that. And I would be, I try to wipe it away. You know, you can get in your head. Oh, you know, I gave this example before, but it will bear repeating. There was a time I was in between jobs. Uh, and, uh, you know, back in 2011, and I was looking around at jobs, uh, you know, software engineering jobs, and uh, I remember we had a, some, there was this one, and right when I looked at the application, I was like, ah, don't, I don't, I didn't feel good about it, but you know, I'm applying for jobs. I'm like, I'm the man, and I want to, I want to go get, I want to provide, so I'm just going to, I'm going to apply. You know, went on and was applying for different ones and came down to where I was kind of um, looking at a few different ones. And so we just decided, Shelly and I, it was a Saturday or something, let's just go and visit these places and just, you know, just see where the physical location is, see how far away it is, just kind of look at the building. And uh, we did that. It was like four or five of them. And this was one of them because I had an application. And man, when I pulled in that parking lot, I, I don't know if there's any time I have felt more of a check than that one. I mean, Shelly's my witness. She was in the car. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I don't know what it is. I don't know the place. I don't know what, it's just like, just, that, that was the most, probably the most extreme leading of no, 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 don't do that. And so then it wasn't, I don't know how long, a little bit later, the HR person calls me up from that company and says, hey, we want to interview you. And I said, no, I'm no longer interested. She goes, what, do you already have a job? I said, no, I'm no longer interested. And you could just tell. She was like, what? You crazy? And I was like, no, I'm just not interested. I was polite. I was like, no. I don't know to this day what would have happened. I do know that the situation I, I ended up going to was God, and it was step by step the right way. But I don't know what the other, I don't know what was behind that. I don't want to know. It was enough that I knew this God leading me. We need to understand when we go before God, we look to his wisdom. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. It may not look like what we had in our head, not what we were expecting. Maybe he's keeping us away from something, but we have to trust him enough to know, God, you have my back. You have uh, my best interest. You know what's coming. I trust you, and I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll walk in your wisdom and it'll be good. Amen?